Baron Von Rasky here. I'm having a match with three sides. You know something? I can hardly wait to get my hands on him. I'll crack him, I'll snap him, and then I'll pop him with the claw. That is all the people need to know. And you know what? Three sides will be three coins in the fountain. <laughs> this week, three sides of the coin. Man, there's some cool stuff this week. How about the news about Annie's authorized Kiss biography that we reveal this week with our special guest, Rick Stewart? Oh, and a little, little conversation about Kiss Cruise 10. A few things that they've changed that have fired up the KISS Army. doesn't take much to fire up this army, but our thoughts on KISS Cruise 10 and the A&E authorized KISS biography. This is Three Sides of the Coin, talking all things KISS. I want to rock and roll all night. You're listening to Three Sides of the Coin. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Three Sides of the Coin. Two people this week. We just keep changing members every freaking week. What are you talking about? It's you and I every week. <laughs> we just had we just had Christmas and New Year's off. It's the first show. We we we, we did ask Lisa at the last minute if she could join us, but she Ooh. she had plans. The weather girl, the beautiful weather girl. We all yeah, love her so much. It hangs out sometimes. And then there's it, there's Ed, but Ed had technical issues whatever it's no big loss he just we just won't get any comments from him this we don't anyway we barely get them from him so (laughs) exactly um before we get into our pre-show ramble a couple housekeeping things i want to mention real quick head over to three sides of the coin.com slash contest for your chance to win an autographed lydia chris book We've got an autographed book that she gave us that we're giving away. And and if you've listened to any any KISS podcast by anybody, her book is right up there with one of the best KISS books ever. It is ever. the best, in my opinion. The Lydia, if you're going to buy Great stories, one, great photos. You're going to buy one. If, put it this way. If you're, if you're, especially if you're just an original band guy, you know, Lydia's is... It, yeah. it it doesn't get any better. Talk about somebody who was point blank there right when there she has the photos. One. She took the photos. It's amazing her stuff. Her story. So she was so gracious enough um, last year to give us hard copy book that she personally autographed. We're giving it away. All you got to do is go to three sides of the coin dot com slash contest. Enter your email address, and we'll pick a winner on February first. Um, I also want to remind everybody, Three Sides of the Coin Radio is back on the Station Head app that you have to install. Kiss Music broadcast 24-7, 365. It's like having satellite radio without paying the satellite radio expense. We've probably got close to 20 hours of Kiss and Kiss-related music that we are streaming every single day. And I try once a week to get in there and do a live recording and just chat. I was in there yesterday talking about various things that happened. I actually did a um, 
we could make a quick mention of this. I did a four-song tribute to Neil Peart. Uh, you know, if 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 you've been living in a cave, last week, actually a week ago today as we're recording this, he passed away from brain cancer. He'd been battling for three years. Huge shock. I mean, I know especially for you, Mark. But he, I think I am so proud and impressed all of the the love and comments and feedback people are posting on their Facebook walls everywhere. I mean, literally the next 24 hours after his passing was announced, I think my wall was nothing but rush-related posts. It was it was so amazing. It was nice to see everybody come together and and uh, you know in mourning, but more importantly, I shouldn't say more importantly. That's the wrong word, but you really have to respect the the rush camp more than than words can God, say yep. because they kept they kept that story private i mean I, Get, getty a, and alex knew about this and kept it secret for neil's sake he didn't want to announce it and 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 that's why i think this shocked so many people cuz we had no idea he was sick none none now, now in retrospect, you can go back and find the clues. Look at somebody like Getty Lee. A lot of his book signings and stuff, he was kind of dour, and and that's not how. And if you, you know, I'm a big Rush fan. If you read and you know, he was always very upbeat. You know, you could tell there was something going on, yep. and you, you just quite couldn't put your finger on it and especially when they called it a day because yeah eddie didn't want to well yeah you remember he said he retired from drumming and i remember going what do you mean retire yeah i get it if you you know you got tunnel carpal and you can't do it anymore what do you mean you're not playing drums i i totally thought oh he's just saying that well now i know why yeah now now we know why they retired in 2015 you know, it, it. I even remember back then thinking, why? It, good, good for them for retiring sort of at the peak. They're walking out at the top. But, boy, they could have kept going for a few more years here. You know, their last few tours were big tours, well-received. Now you know why. And, like you said, lots of respect to the Rush camp for how they dealt with this. Yeah, a huge. Uh, I, I matter of fact, I, I obviously have a ton of drumming friends, and uh, boy, oh boy, it was uh, like you said, Mike. My walks, <laughs> a large chunk of fellow drummers on her, and it was cool because everyone was picking different eras and di- different songs. So it was funny. I, I spent when when did the n- actual news come out? Was that like last Friday? It was. Yeah, I think it was on Friday. That yeah, they announced he had passed knew. away on Tuesday. Yeah, and and man, all all the discussion and all the different influences and people yeah. just sharing their memories and you know, I, I, you, I, you know, I, talk about music, Michael. My son is is because he he plays drums too, and you know he got we got to go see Rush a couple times. You know what I mean. Uh, and my son was like, God, I'm so glad, you know, we went, you know, I, I, we talk about sharing this kiss stuff with other, you know, family members or loved ones or whatever. But it's so nice to share music 
with, you know, with, with your kid. And, and let me tell you, my, my son and I just bonded over it. And I'm going to, a quick story just because we're talking about Neil Peart. Um, when my son went away to college, he was, he had a little bit of a, a rough time, his first time away from home and everything. And I, I, he asked, he's like, dad, and, and I said, you know, he, he took his study serious. He wasn't a, a big drinker or anything like that. And, and I, and I, I he's like, you know, I said, if, if you're homesick or whatever, I said, you know, one of my favorite things I used to do is I used to like putting headphones on and you could, you know, really kind of get involved in, in some, some music, or whatever. And it kind of, cause I went to boarding school. I knew what it was like to go away at a young age. And the, I remember the song that, and the, what I told him to put on was Cygnus X1 by uh, by Rush on the Farewell to Kings record. I think it's the last song on side two. That's how geeky I am with them. But I'll never forget, my, my son texted me back a few hours later, and he's like, if you guys know that song, there's a, the beginning is like, you know, drifting through space, and then the bass comes in, and then the drums come in, the down, down, da 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 And, and my, my son just texted me, thanks, I needed that. You know what I mean? But here's something that happened, you know, five, six years ago, Rush related that we could bond with. Yep. You know what I mean? And and that's the power of music is, you know, if somebody's homesick or they're sick in the hospital or they're whatever, having a bed, the power of music and especially the power of, you know, what Neil Peart helped create. You know, you know and, 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 and sadly, you know, to be completely transparent, one of the things that Neil's passing really hit home was, wow, we're getting really close to Kiss. We're getting really close to Kiss here. You know, obviously there's a lot of history, great history between Rush and Kiss. Came up young bands at the same time, success at the same time. It's funny because, you know, as both bands were reaching their peaks, it all of a sudden became a Rush fans going, Kiss sucks, and Kiss fans going, fuck Rush, I don't get that music, blah, blah, blah. But there was a close bond between the bands. And that's what it, it's really, this one really was like, crap. This is getting, we're getting close to Kiss here. And I'm glad we still got four original members of Kiss. They're finishing up their final tour. It's just one more statement to say, you know what? Stop the bickering and the complaining and the bitching because we could all wake up tomorrow with one of our favorite musicians being announced. They quietly passed away because they'd been battling something. It's like it, it can happen in a blink of an eye. And speaking of bitching and complaining. Yeah, so let's segue <laughs> from that too. Let me... I'm going to read this so we can talk about it. Um, Kiss Cruise 10. A couple days ago, yesterday actually, I think it was, they made some announcements, like they always do. They announced some of the additional bands that are playing. Queensryche, Rat, and Fozzie with more to be announced. And, and, and listen, I'll sit here and go, that's actually pretty cool. Uh, you know... At least their name bands, their bands that have good association to Kiss, they're a good fit. So whether you're a Queensryche fan or a Rat fan or whatever you think of Fozzie doesn't matter. This is 
good in my my opinion. But what's really seemed to light up the KISS Army, I'm going to read their bullet point list of KISS Cruise 10 experience, um, word for word, and then we'll discuss it. A KISS acoustic sail away show. A KISS masked, masked, meaning in makeup, electric pool deck show. A signature engraved commemorative gift. A conversation with KISS hosted by Chris Jericho and one other full band activity with KISS. Two activities with each member of KISS. The KISS Expo with rare memorabilia. Shows, activities, and autograph sessions with supporting artists and more. So, the two things, well, the the first one that's really set people off, and I've seen a few people go after the second one, the KISS Masked electric pool deck show and the signature engraved commemorative gift set and 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 mark maybe we want to do the let's let's just riff real quick on the engraved commemorative gift because that's a smaller discussion before we get into the pool deck show i i I honestly don't have much of a comment on that because honestly i really haven't read too many people being upset about that let's put it in context what people are upset about that is that I think, well, I know we're getting that in lieu of something right. that was is, autographed. Right, Ex- exactly. As, as I mentioned on our KISS radio show yesterday, basically what they've done every year is you get some special autographed gift in your... This year's in, dynamo. In, in your room. It could have been a poster. It could have been that Creatures of the Night vinyl. But all four guys sat down and hand autographed I don't know how many, 3,000 yeah, items for everybody. So you got that. This year, it it appears that you're not going to get anything personally autographed. You're getting a signature engraved commemorative gift, which that means, having worked at, at their merchandise company, they're taking their signatures and they're going to engrave them on some item so the band doesn't have to personally sign and i kind of get that signing thousands and thousands of items might be a bitch guys they're gonna this isn't like in the past where they were off for three four months before the cruise right I, i and this is just me riffing i don't no one told me this but i think that's a big reason why guys they're gonna i mean the tour starts in a couple of weeks yep they're going to be going all year round until the cruise for the most part. So, guys, they're going to be, uh, as the as the song goes, a little road-worn and weary. And whereas before they had the luxury of having some time off, you know, I, and again, this is just me talking. I, I have nothing to base this on other than what I see. And, and I think that's one of the reasons that, you know, they're not going to sign stuff like that. And, and and here's something that I was told by Sixth Man today. I called them about something totally different. Matter of fact, we had a very funny phone call. I wish I could have recorded it because I was talking from Sixth, someone at Sixth Man in the offices down in Georgia, and I'm like, look, I'm not calling to complain. <laughs> They're like, thank God. <laughs> and then we had a good laugh about that. But that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring it up today. They they can't believe, you know, the, the negativeness. And, and I was told by somebody from Sixth Man, again, right over the phone to me that the one outdoor show was kiss's idea not six minutes which goes back to what i was just saying 
I think they're going to want to do the the one acoustic show and the one, um, you know, electric show. Here, here's the part that I don't understand people being upset with. You're still getting one makeup show and one acoustic show like you've got on every single cruise. You're not getting a, a less kiss show. What you're what you're not getting is them in an indoor setting. Now, don't get me wrong. Am I am I disappointed as a, and keep in mind, this is going to be my 10th kiss cruise. I've been on all of them. Am I going to be disappointed that they're not doing the inside show? Yes. I'll tell you why. And I've shared it on every cruise review since I've been on this show. That intimate setting is just the bomb, as they say. It's fucking awesome. So, yeah, I'm bummed about that. The sound is always so good in there. I mean, it's just everything about the Kiss Cruise indoor show is awesome. I don't ever think I've given it anything other than, you know, exuberant accolades ever since I've been on this show and, and before anyone who would listen. Um, the Kiss Cruise shows on the indoors were always great. Look, I get it. Um, I, I think, you know, this year, and that's another thing. They're trying something new. Who's right. to say you're not going to have a good time? I, I, I saw, you know, I, I, and I'll get to this point in a second, but, I, you know, a lot of people who I love dearly, and I mean that in the, in the most Christian sense of the word, people I genuinely care for and, and love and, and are, some of them say they're not going to go, and I really well, bother. That, 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 that's interesting. So, so yeah, so to, what, to Mark's point now, so the thing that's triggered everybody is the electric pool deck show. And and listen, my opinion may mean absolutely nothing because I've never gone on the cruise, and it, it, I'll say it again. It's my daughter's birthday every time the cruise happens, and I'm going to go to my daughter's birthday party, and I'm not going to go hang out with KISS fans. My daughter trumps KISS fans every single day. Whether you like it or not, that's it. But it seems like the, the first thing that hit me when I said I saw a pool deck show is it's an outdoor show. Now, outdoor shows happen all the time. They play sheds all the time. But you don't have control over Mother Nature when you play outdoors. It, what happens if it's raining? What happens if it's really windy? Wasn't it last year or two years ago it was pretty oh, windy? Yeah. Oh, you yeah, know, some of the... So, 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 so that could dramatically impact the show completely out of their control, but it could have a very big impact. The other thing is the, the um, indoor show is, is reserved seats. You get a ticket. You've got a seat. The pool deck, it's general admission. Find yourself a great spot, and you're going to stand there for the whole show. Again, not the end of the world, but it is very different than when you've been used to nine years of I got a ticket, I know where I'm going to go in. And and tell me if I'm wrong in this, but the longer you've been going, your tickets would get better and better closer to the stage? Yeah. Well, what it is is the, the people who – someone like myself is a perfect example. Um, when I go to book – matter of fact, my booking time is tomorrow, which is day one – and I, I'm within the first couple hours. 
So every year since, you know, basically the first or second one, I could have gotten, and Liz and I did for a year or two, we got pit, you know, we were right up front. Right. Matter of fact, I think it was the second Kiss Cruise. We, I, I, I have a picture of me with my hand on Gene's boot. I mean, we were right up front. But, you know, Liz and I, now when, you know, when I've done this up until, you know, this year, Liz and I like getting like the first or second seat where the seats start because there's an orchestra pit where right. everyone stands. But we like having a seat so when we come in there, we can sit down and the, and the lady comes over and gets our drink order. And, you know, we're right up front, except we're, in, we're right up front in the seats. And I get to choose to sit there and it's comfortable and it's air conditioned and it's nice. And also, too, when one of my favorite moments of the show, and it's probably a big favorite for a lot of people hearing my voice right now, too, is I love when the cannons go off for rock and roll night with all the confetti. Man, where, where we sat every year, those things were like aimed right at us. I mean, we were just covered in confetti, and it was just so much fun. Well, that's not, that's the thing. On the outside deck, I can't see them spewing that confetti. It's, well, and, hey, and, and, and that's water. what will be interesting is what will they do for a show on the outside deck? Because... And just so you guys know, too, and Michael, I'm sure you know, but for, not everybody will know this, because KISS does a normal show for the most part. But guys, when you're on a on a on a cruise, there's no flames. So right. Gene doesn't there's no pyro. There's no breathing correct. fire. There's zero pyro and Gene also has never spit blood on the cruise. So those two things are gone right off the table. Gene right. from the from the first cruise on, never never breathe fire and never spit blood. So those two things are out of the show. And let's face it, those are two big parts of a normal kiss show. And and also too, Kiss only plays for about an hour on the on the Kiss Cruise. And that's what I was I, I said to some fans who are good friends of mine privately today. I said, let's put this in perspective. You're still getting an electric kiss show with them in full makeup, and I'm assuming they're gonna do it in the evening when the you know you can use the lights. I can't right. see them doing the makeup show. Because here's something that they did say that they're gonna be docked when they do it. Yeah, so. I, I saw that. So that to, to some extent, that that's good. You're not going to be at the mercy of waves and stuff out on, on the right. ocean. You'll be in, in a port somewhere, which is somewhat protected, but you still have to deal with wind and well, rain. What I'm guessing, Michael, is if, as long as they're not moving, they can put a tarp or something over the stage, much like you know they do on an outside show. But, but, you know I mean? but, but that's a tarp over Kiss, not over the audience. Sure. Correct. So correct. you could but, you could potentially be out there getting soaking wet, watching a kiss show. Yeah, there's 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 another thing here. Here's one of the things I said to some good friends today. Put this in perspective. When, even when you go with the in the inside show, okay, that's one hour out of four days. So let me do that again. You're not gonna go because you're missing one hour out of four days. I want the inside show too, but do the math. But I, I, I think what you know, I've seen a lot of people say, and you can confirm or, or correct me on this. The the price went up this year, so, so that, kid, that part I'm not happy with. The, my, the, the my kid, kiss raised the price on the cruise, and it feels like to people here they're getting they're getting less. I mean. The, Michael, they, that is absolutely true. We are paying more for less. So, so that 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 
doesn't put a good taste in fans' mouth. Well, but hold on a second. We're saying that before we eat the steak. I understand. Completely legit. I mean, you, you, we, we could see the video of the the pool deck show um, next October, whatever, and might be blown away because they've come up with something so freaking cool that we couldn't have imagined. So that's so what I'm trying. I'm, to I'm, I'm always saying yes. Let's wait until we see everything to judge it. We're just commenting on what the Kiss Army's getting bent over right now. And uh, and and the uh, big again. thing I'm read the big thing I'm reading is. Man, it's a general admission show that everybody has to go to this one show if they want to see Kiss in makeup. But everyone has to do that to see the sail away. It's the exact. I saw here. Yeah, but you get you I get a, you get a you get a ticket. You're guaranteed to get in, and you've got a spot to watch the show with the, the with the deck. You're not guaranteed anything other than elbowing your way as close as you can, or finding a but, good spot, but or Michael, Michael, you if. It's this is this is the thing that I, I have to let people know if you've never been on it. Every year on the sail away, you get to watch the show. Is it crowded? Yes, but you there's nobody that can't get into that general area. You know what I mean? Yes, sure. it's crowded. Yes, you're shoulder to shoulder. Absolutely right. You're not as comfortable. You're nowhere even near as comfortable, especially if it's fucking 90 degrees outside. You know, um, I get all that. But I did see a couple people going, oh, I'm not, you know, what if I I can't get into that area? No, no, no. You can get to the to the deck. You, you'll be able to get into the deck and hear and see the show. But if you're somebody like you who's been going for nine years, who likes the fact that the indoor show was getting them better seats closer to the stage because of their their continuing support, that's out the window now, I'm assuming, unless they've Correct. got something that says, hey, if you're if you if you've been here for nine years, if this is your tenth show, we're going to kind of like for general admission, we'll let you in five minutes before the mob so you can run to the front of the stage. Well, well I, I want to address that, too, because I, I, I saw people going, oh, the, the nine timers are all there seems to be this schism where people are like, oh, you know, look, all we are because I'm one of them. Do you ever go to, I don't know, Barnes and Noble or McDonald's when they, you know, you, you click your thing eight yeah. times and the 10th one or whatever, you, you get the free one? We just did that. That's all. We're, look, the fact that they've done that for us, they did it for us. We didn't beg, please. Oh, no, no, you're, you're completely right. But oh, I, no, I, I think people, I think that's something. are doing that, though. They're going, oh, you nine-timers are all acting like a bunch of spoiled brats. I'm like, no, look, man, all I all I know is this. I'm holding up my card that's been punched fucking nine times. That's all. And they're giving me something because I've been here nine times. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah but, it, but that's not the way I look at things. I look at things like this. This may be. The last time I get to see Alex, this may be the next time, last time I get to see Nico. These, you know what I mean? All the way on down, Michael, these are people you know as well. I get to see these people from, you know, Darren from, from England and Pierre and all my friends who at one point I was like pen friends with. Adrian. Yeah. All these people, Mike, who I get to see every year. 
I'm not, I don't want to miss this. La- if, if this is truly the last one and I'm told it is, I don't want to miss, you know, I don't want to miss a thing, man. I want to see all those guys. And I'm hoping this isn't the last time I see them physically, but you know what? It might be. It might be. Because, because what, what brought us on the ship for the last nine years? So it was Kiss. Some of these guys I haven't seen prior to the Kiss Cruise. I hadn't seen since the old Rothman Expo days, you know, in the 90s. So I haven't seen those guys, you know, for a long 20 years. And now it's like, can't see you next year, see you next year. See you. Well, guess what? Next year's gone after this year. And and I wouldn't miss this fucking thing for the world. Yeah, I can't. I, 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 I am a little. It's not. It's this. This for me as a Kiss fan is the band is actually down here in the show for me. I want to see my friends is up here. And and and. Also, too, yeah, I'm, I've been spoiled, you know, but I've worked very hard. But, I mean, I've, been, I've gone on all of them. I, I have an emotional connection to this thing. I have an emotional connection to my people who I love and I care for. And I'm so bummed. And I won't name their names, but there's a married couple who, you know, who are good friends of yours as well. They're not going, and it's breaking oh, I, my I heart. Know. I know. I have seen some people, especially in, in, in one of your threads, where I'm like, and I won't name names, um, but they are like the diehard Kiss fan up at the top of the pyramid who go everywhere, go to everything, do everything, know the band, all of this stuff, who are like, Mm-mm, I don't think I'm going this year because of this. And it's like that that was more than anything the, holy crap, I can understand just the general Kiss fan going, eh, I feel like I'm getting ripped off, but man... This has touched a nerve with what yeah. I would call the influencers in the KISS Army who influence all the other people on what they do. That's a, you know, I have to sit back and go, did Six Man and KISS anticipate blowback at this level? Well, again, talking to Six Man today. They said, and I'm just repeating what they told me, I, they said this was all KISS. Well, and I totally believe that because nothing gets done without KISS basically putting their stamp of approval on it, going, yes, Well, that's one thing I want to be do. perfectly – I'm not trying to cause trouble or whatever. I'm just telling you, I made a phone call. The people on the other end went, it ain't us. That's what they told me. They could be lying to me. I don't know. But sir, sure sounded sincere. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, if it's not and it was a partial decision or whatever and some of some of this is wrong, I, I want to be able to because we are recording this. I want people to know I'm just telling you what, what you somebody who answered the phone. Yeah, right. that's what they told me, because they the reason they volunteered that is because they were getting a lot of calls today and they people weren't happy. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> you just go go in basically any kiss facebook group page out there follow a thread on anybody like one of your posts there's a lot of people who are not not just mildly disappointed but there's people who are outright pissed and and angry I'm i'm trying to get those people to see the big picture 
we're going to get to hang out again. It's one hour. That's the only hour but, that's but, but, different. But, Mark, maybe, every maybe, other time you want. maybe those people don't want to hang out with you like you want to hang out with them. That's possible. <laughs> Although, a lot of fun. <laughs> I will tell you, you know what? I, I had a, I, I've had more than a few, and I'm sure you've seen some of them. Uh, you know the the bacon comments. And oh everything. God, so, yes. I was I was very, just I was very, just gonna say, thank God they haven't cut the bacon because if the yeah. bacon was pulled off of the ship, <laughs> Mark would be throwing a fit, going, "I'm not going." It, There's no bacon. It, I'm telling you, man, I, that whole concept has taken on a life of its own. We've we've seen the imitators too. You know that have have done that. You you, you and, need and you need to create some bacon and like, ice cream T-shirts. Yeah, well, it's it's amazing the people that come up and like, oh yeah, you know those guys are doing it, and I don't care. It's, it's I don't own that. It's just funny, you know. And it, it's, it's just it's. I tell you what, you know what? That's one thing. If you're on the Kiss cruise and you want to have a few laughs. And, and that's another thing, you know, on, on the last Kiss Cruise, you know, with, with Alex and Joe and, uh, you know, and, and, and the Cataldos and everybody, we were all every night, man, we were we we're fucking having midnight bacon and just fucking laughing and having a great time. And next thing you know, you know, you know, Russell's coming by and they're sitting at the table next to us. And it, it's just this big fucking. Yep. And that's the thing. You know what? And, and not to sound, you know, too emotional, I've only got four more days of doing that, most likely, in my life. I got four more midnight we, bacon. We, we, we've always said on this show, whether it's KISS shows or expos or any event, a lot of times it's seeing KISS is secondary. Yes. It's seeing everybody else and hanging out in the lobby and hanging out in the bar for four hours it's like recreating what this podcast is all about, where you just get together and before a song, somebody looks at their watch and goes, crap, I've got to go. Or the, the bartender comes by and says, we got to close up. You guys got to get out of here. You know, go sit somewhere else. That's the KISS experience. KISS putting on a show is just a reason we all come there. The show itself, and I don't want to downplay the show, but the show itself is secondary to all of that other fun bonding stuff that goes on within the kiss army yeah and, and and i i've been trying hopefully successfully trying to convey that to some people who mean a whole lot to me who said they're not going i mean i it, hope they consider i i i would say right now you know don't let your emotions get the best of you and make a irrational very emotional decision based off of what you just read. I mean, who, who we've always say, who are we to tell anybody what to spend their money on or not? It's up to you. It's clearly up to you if you want to go or not go. But it seems like right now there's a lot of mob mentality emotion happening out there. And maybe sit back, calm down, remember what, as you said, this is one hour out of four days. How much other fun do you have over the course of four days that makes it all worth the while for you? Well, there's a lot of people all, all also, too, swatting the wasp's nest, so yeah. to speak. I've seen so many, and I'm sorry, I'm calling you out, douchebags who said, oh, this was the year I'm going, but no, I'm not. Those cheap motherfucker blah. I'm like, you weren't going. Fuck no, you. No, I know. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm, I'm sure I'm sure that maybe one or two percent of the 
dozens and dozens and dozens of a-holes who I've seen who posted on, you know, our site and other sites. And, you know, because I belong to a bunch of KISS Facebook sites. And I'm looking and I saw some of those comes. Oh, I was going for sure this year till now. Really? Really? I mean, I mean, listen, I'll be the first to say it. My opinion on this, what I think means crap, because I'm not going. I'm, I wasn't going to go beforehand. I'm not going after it. it I, I was never planning to go. It's just I'm commenting on what I'm seeing the KISS Army say and do about this. The people who have gone, your opinions matter more than the people who have never gone when it comes to something like this. But again, at the end of the day, it's your wallet. Vote with your wallet. Maybe a message will be sent if this all of a sudden is not a cruise that sells out. That will make I, a message. I, I, I did I did ask Six Man that. I said, is there any contingency plans if this backfires? And we again, we had a very nice talk today. The, the, the representative from Six Man and I uh, had a very nice talk. And she's like, no, this came from the band. There's no chance. This isn't changing. This is what we're doing this year. This Put it this way. This is what the people who rented the boat <laughs> right. are doing this year. Right. You know, Six Man doesn't come up with with the itinerary and all that. No, the, the band does. This is the Kiss Cruise. This isn't the, the Fozzie and we think we're going to have Kiss do a couple things cruise. No, this is the Kiss Cruise. Right. And everything comes from Kiss on down. Um, like I said, Michael, I would, if I'm betting dollars to donuts, um, in the middle of November when we do our wrap-up show in, the, you know, whatever, 11 months from now, I'm going to be the guy with the big smile on my face and possibly the tear in my eye saying, oh, my God, I had the time of my life because for the last nine years, I've been that guy middle of November when I did. I talked about yeah, it. It, yeah. it. It really this is really I cannot sell this enough. It, speaking strictly for me and my wife, it, keep my, I want to go back to that. When Liz and I went to the first kiss cruise. She was like, oh, I'll just go to the first one. It's a cruise. We'll get away. But I don't want to be around all that. She would miss it for the world either now. And my wife, again, you know, she's not a huge Kiss fan. Or I think she likes them, but it's not a huge deal. She she fell in love with the people and the and the you know the atmosphere and the and the hustle and bustle and the fun and the trying new restaurants and trying new drinks and just having a great time. And if you go on the Kiss cruise, that's what you're going to have. Yeah, you don't get to do the inside show this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm bummed about it. But, okay, I'm still going to have the fucking time of my life, and I can bet, I guarantee that. Guarantee it. Yeah, I, you know, one, one thing I've learned, having worked with KISS and been a KISS fan for decades, is the saying, anything's possible, is very true with these guys. Anything is possible that on the day of that pool deck show, they pull out something that just makes your jaw drop. And everybody who didn't go goes, fuck, I should have gone. It was, you know, they, 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 are, they are masters of doing that sort of stuff where you're just like, holy cow, I couldn't have imagined that, and yet they did something really cool. I don't know. Maybe they're going to – maybe it's nothing more than the show itself isn't phenomenal, but it becomes the true 
deep cut performance that the Kiss fans have always longed for. Maybe their last hurrah is to sit on that stage and make up and play deep cuts as deep as you could go. Wouldn't wouldn't that be worth that it? That also too much. How about this engraved commemorative thing? This might be the coolest thing. It could ever. be the coolest I, I product know. ever. I, I mean, and you know, and somebody made a really valid, solid point. Getting the autographs of Kiss members is not difficult anymore. Good freaking God, you can get their autographs everywhere. If if you are set on needing to get it, you can you can do it. So this isn't like the rare moment of oh my god, I'm finally getting my first autograph. It's like, uh, uh-uh. it's not difficult to find Kiss autographs anymore. So, but you're right. Maybe that commemorative gift is something really, really freaking cool. Don't know. Again, we we haven't eaten the steak yet, so we yep. don't know what the, if the restaurant's any good. You you really have to look at it. Like this. So, anyways, that's my piece. I, w- I wanted to say that as somebody who has always championed this whole event, the Kiss Cruise. Again, I, this I, I I will have been on all of them. You know, uh, as they say. You know, hopefully, I can say that in another eleven months. But it, you know, this is a big deal for me. It's a big deal for my wife. It's a big deal for the the friends that we've made on the ship and. And, you know, I've said it many times, there's a couple couples that we met that we go on vacation with two or three times a year now. Or we go visit them, they visit us. Matter of fact, when I go, Tommy and I are going to Buffalo in a couple of weeks. And, um, you know, I'm going to see my friends from uh, from, from New York when, 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 when we're there, you know. And it's this, this, again, where did I meet them? On the Kiss Cruise. You know, just so excited about it, and I tell you what, and I, I don't have the names. A couple of, uh, of friends of the show who live in that area, when, when you know, reached out to me privately, going, "Hey, man, if you need to be picked up from the airport or, you know, taken to the gig." And thank you, people who reach out to you that you know want to do cool stuff. You guys are the best, man. Because I've had a few people from the Buffalo area contact me, going, "Hey, you know, you need a ride? You want me to, you know, help you out or?" But, you know, uh, the truth is that I, you know, I've already got that taken care of. And, and uh, we're staying at the Tommy and I are staying at the hotel that's adjacent to the arena. So we're, we're just going to walk from the arena through the parking lot and into the, you know, from the hotel. So, you know, this whole this whole trip can't wait. And again, it's only in just a couple of weeks. It's what uh, February 5th is the, the show. It's just a couple of weeks from now. So, you know, super excited for that. And I don't know, man, it's going to 2020 shaping up to be a. A great, uh, a great kiss here. And by the way, before we get to our special guest, I'm seriously thinking of uh, flying out to Minnesota for the uh, the, the Tommy Thayer event. So, but yes, by all means, we should mention that real quick. Head over to fanhqstore.com. Use the promo code Tool. And you can save $10 off of your meet-and-greet ticket for an evening with Tommy Thayer, which happens the night before the Minneapolis end-of-the-road show. And, and, and Tommy, who's not here, Ed, Ed, who's done an awesome job co-hosting the previous Bruce Kulick and Ace Fraley events that Fan HQ has put on. We'll be co-hosting Tommy Thayer as well. He'll be doing the Q&A. He'll be moderating. 
Um, if you've been paying attention, Fan HQ puts on phenomenal events, well organized, well run. It's it's a very personal experience. Head over to FanHQStore.com for all the details on an evening with Tommy Thayer. Promo code Tool gets you ten dollars off of your meet and greet ticket. And again, like I said, Tommy's co-hosting that, and uh, Tommy and I had a couple conversations yesterday. I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna make the trip out to Minneapolis, and uh, obviously I have nothing to do with the event, but I, I want to go. So you can um, sit in the audience and be... heckle Tom. You can heckle both <laughs> yeah, Tommies. No <laughs> We have a question from Mark. So. No, but yeah, I, I want to go. I think it'll be fun. Plus, uh, you know, when, whenever Tommy and I get together, the the laughter never stops. Craziness so, and you know, as you guys yep. know, because you guys watch the show, I was just talking. Like, you know, Tommy's going to Buffalo with me. We're gonna have a lot of fun and that a lot of Minnesota fun with a couple thing, queens. Couple... <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. So, all right. All right. So, so let's get the show on the road here. We got a returning special guest, Rick Stewart who was head of security for KISS back in the 70s, has come back. He shares some amazing stories about Lou Reed, Ozzy Osbourne, Sharon Osbourne, Megadeth. But more importantly, and you're going to have to watch to get the details, he reveals the A&E authorized biography that, that they're filming on KISS. And there's some details that he talks about. And, and actually, you you have some involvement, and you contributed to it as well. But an official KISS-authorized biography is being put together by A&E. And Rick is going to be involved with it, and he shares some of the details. So, let it roll. Rick Stewart, Three Sides of the Coin. Want to get your official Three Sides of the Coin logo and Shocker tee? Now you can. We ship worldwide. Get yours online at shop.threesidesofthecoin.com. So, everybody, Three Sides of the Coin world. We have a return guest. Actually, this would be kind of his third appearance. He did a full show, and then we did a quick follow-up where he commented on um, something that happened after a show. But back in June of 2015, Rick Stewart joined us. And, Rick, thank you for coming back to Three Sides of the Coin. Oh, it's my pleasure, Mike and, uh, and Mark. And uh, where's Tommy today? Tommy is actually um, moving offices, and he said that they're behind schedule and getting his new office set up and wired and connected, so he couldn't couldn't join us today. No, I checked. Okay, well, He's on ice is in the Minneapolis area, and that's uh, that's probably where uh, he is. So he's, a big <laughs> he's a big fan. He's hanging out backstage, and yeah, I understand. I get that. I understand that. <laughs> Um, so, so, so Rick, you know, we, we had, you know, geez, it was not quite five years ago. Hard to believe it's been that long. I we know. Had, we had an awesome conversation with you about your time with KISS back in the seventies and everything. And, and I would encourage everybody watching and listening to go back. It was June of 2015. You can find it on YouTube or 
um, any of our other podcast outlets. Listen to the full show, but more importantly, listen to the, the shorter follow-up show. Because during that show, Rick, you talked about the story of, of how you saved Paul Stanley from drowning in Hawaii. Right. And and after the show aired, you had a conversation with Paul Stanley about that. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. He called me from Europe because he was upset that I, that I had felt I went to see him. Uh, they were playing in Dallas. I hadn't seen them in years. Uh, I'd run into them here and there uh, doing shows. I was doing shows at the Ritz in New York quite a bit and kiss actually came through there one time without makeup and paul had done some solo stuff there so we'd run into each other here and there and in new york and uh it was always warm friendly and 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 you know just like running into old friends well <laughs> yeah i had brought my family to uh see them and meet them my kids had never met them. My uh, now ex-wife had never met them. Uh, and uh, just wanted to go see him and say hi and let everybody meet them. And uh, so I arranged for passes and got there. And, uh, of course, before the show, they do the whole photo thing and meet and greets and all that stuff. And my kids and my wife couldn't make it in time for that. So they made it in time for the show, and then Paul had said to me, wait for me after the show, we'll hang out. Cool. I said, I want you to meet everybody. And Gene said, I'm leaving right after the show. He said, I'll see you. And I said, okay. And it was nice to see them, took a picture with them, met Tommy and uh, and Eric, uh, first time I met those guys. And uh, anyway, after the show, uh we went backstage, and we hung out. Now, one of the reasons that I can function and do what I do and do it well is nobody really impresses me or bowls me over. I've been doing this for a very long time. I stopped Bob Dylan once from getting on stage at a band concert. I almost threw Mick Jagger out of a Rolling Stones concert once. Wow. Until uh, so I realized it was Mick Jagger. But, uh, yeah, I've, you know, I've been in rooms with lots of people, Elvis, Frank Sinatra. I've worked with all these people. And I've never really been a fan. I've never really been one of those people who I don't know what to say when I meet these people. Now, I act to them like, I act to you when I meet you. It's, you know, uh, it just, I don't know. I guess I've been around it for a long time. Sure. I'm kind of jaded. But, uh, and, and there's nobody, not one person I can think of who I would wait backstage to meet or get an autograph from or talk to. I just don't care. And, I know for a lot of fans, it's hard to understand that people have spoken to me about it, but it's just, that's me. It's just how I am. And uh, anyway, we went backstage after the show, and I spoke to Paul's security guy, and he said he's taking a shower. I'll be right out. 
course he's going to take a shower. I didn't want to see him until after he took a shower, frankly, after doing the show. But uh, we waited, I, I think it was close to two hours. Oh, wow. And after 10 minutes or 15 minutes, I was like, let's go. Screw this. And I, you know, I started getting a little pissed off. And uh, we we call people waiting for the act and who will stand there in the freezing cold or whatever. We call them punters. Right. That's that's what they're called by our side of the industry. And, uh, you know, and, uh, I felt like a punter. And not a good feeling for me. And kind of embarrassing and, and weird. And then, and then Paul came out and came over and he took some pictures and he met everybody really quickly and said hi. And then kind of went off with another friend. And I was pretty miffed by the whole thing. And pretty pissed off. And I, I spoke about it on your show. And Paul called me from Europe, like, I don't know, a day or two later. He had gotten wind of what I said and was very upset and said, I never meant to make you feel that way or this or that. And we had a good conversation, and I apologized to him for, like, uh, you know, being pissed off, I guess. And um, he told me, next time, next time Kiss comes to Dallas, we're going to hang out. You know, we'll really take good care of you and this and that. And, uh, unfortunately, Paul's never gotten in touch with me uh, when they've come to Dallas. And I'm, I don't, for me, it's a pain in the ass. I don't want to go to the office and I have to talk to people and try and talk to Doc McGee or get to Doc McGee and get passes and do all that. And it's just not worth the effort to me. Um, if, if Paul would have had his guy or whoever called me, yeah, I would have loved to go see him, but, but he didn't. Uh, I'm not angry about it. I kind of resolve it in my mind by, I don't even understand what kind of life this man has had. And it's 50 years later, 40, 40 something years later, I guess. And uh, he's gone through a lot. He's had a very strange life, which I can't really relate to. I don't have a half a billion dollars. Uh, I've never been a rock star. I've never had everybody in the world standing around me with their hand out and trying to get something from me. So I, uh, I kind of understand. Uh, he's had a different life than I have and uh, I different life than any of us have had. And uh, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to pass judgment on him and say he's an asshole because of that. I just think I'm one in uh, a, a big wave of people and that have been close to him and have, uh, you know, been friends with him and worked for him. Uh, Kiss notoriously has probably had more people in the industry, road crew people, work for them than any other band I know of. 
Well, do you think that, I mean, uh, part, part of the reason I would assume that is, is they've actually been around for so long. They've done so many tours. Um, you know, the odds of most bands having more people who have worked with them are pretty slim because most bands aren't going to be around for nearly 50 years. Well, that's true to a certain extent, but take a band like Rush, uh, who was, you know, an opening act for us when I was out with Kiss. Those guys, the same guys that were with them then, in fact, CB worked for Kiss uh, in 75, went to work for them in 76 as their production manager and did the last show they've ever done. And Howard Ungerleiter, their lighting director, I know for all these years, I do a lot of corporate stuff, and Howard does a lot of corporate stuff. We run into each other on corporate trips, and they're a family. Uh, Thanksgiving, those guys all get together. Christmas, they're all together. They're a family. They're together. Same crew. You can't buy that kind of loyalty. You can't get that kind of loyalty. The Rolling Stones have had some people who've been with them for a very long time. Uh, you know, I think uh, Kiss made the decision. What, what my feeling is, is that Kiss made the decision when Glickman and Marks came in, Glickman and Marks, I believe, told them, you don't want to have anybody working for you who you feel is a good friend or you feel close to because you want to have the ability to fire this person spur of the moment. So we want you to get rid of all the guys that have been with you and that you feel are your family and friends, and we'll get a new crew. And, uh, and I believe they've conducted their careers that way. Uh, obviously, it's worked. They've been very successful. I they, can't yeah, say... they, 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 they've, they've separated business and, and personal. Yeah, and uh, it's funny. I, I joke with people. I say, you know, if I hadn't saved Paul's life in Hawaii, I might still have a job. Uh, you know, it's. Uh, I guess I got too close to him, and he felt he owed me something. And he and I were close friends, but it, you know, that's that's how the cookie crumbled. And and and, uh, and, and all they, of what all of what you're talking about. Is basically the 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 gist of um, the original Road Crew's book out on the streets, J.R. Smalling right. and Moose. You know that their their basic take was, you know, Glick, we were a family until it became big business, and then family was gone, and it was all business, and all of us were let go. Yep, and uh, yeah, I mean th those guys were there before I was. I think I've told you, I, I've never had a complaint. I don't feel a kiss owes me anything. I always got my check, always got my salary, always got my per diem. Um, I wasn't there in the early days like, like J.R. was, where J.R. would go to his mother and borrow 20 bucks so that he could go buy peanut butter and white bread so the band could eat. So, yeah, those guys, they felt very wronged, and they were promised things that didn't happen. And uh, 
I think a lot of it has to do with Glickman Marx. And um, I personally, I think it was a mistake, but I can say it's a mistake all I want. Those guys are worth millions and millions of dollars and have been very successful. The one thing is Paul was so insecure, and I imagine he probably still is to a certain extent inside. But, you know, Paul, I can't imagine the life that guy had growing up in Queens, New York, with a deformity and going to public school. He had to have gone through hell. Right. I saw kids in school. I, you know, I went to school in Brooklyn. It was a little different, but not that much different. But there were kids in my school who had deformities, who had various things. And there were kids that would pick on them all the time. And it, it was just, it was awful. It was terrible. You know, horrible kids can be. Yep. Yep. And so Paul was probably pretty much a loner and... Uh, and an outcast, and, and was probably afraid to walk out of his house half the time. And, uh, you know, having to deal with something like that, it's it's got to do things to your personality, and it's got to affect you negatively, and it's terrible and, and hurtful. So, I, you know, I am not Paul Stanley. I can't put myself in his shoes in any way, shape, or form. Our lives have been so different from, you know, our early lives until now. So I'm not going to judge Paul and say, oh, you shouldn't, shouldn't act like a rock star. You should, you know, this and that, whatever. Uh, you know, Paul's Paul and more power to him. Now, J.R. And, and the book, the T.O.K.K. book, which... You know, wasn't a well-written book. We've all agreed with that. And, uh, you know, some people like it, some people don't. Um, I know J.R. and Moose's feelings were kind of hurt uh, when they did the show with you guys. And after they were off the air, and I, I think there was, they were taking, you know, taking one stand. And, but I think when, when they were off the air, you guys were, goofing around and having fun and just joking around. And I think that got them and kind of really irritated them and, and felt it was too far. But, you know, that's their opinion and their feeling. I think you guys were having fun like I would with my friends. Yeah, I mean, what, what, what we did... And God, that was that was even before you were on. So I'd have to go yes. back and listen to what what we actually said. But in typical format for our show, we always do a wrap up after the interview where we talk about just anything that came up during the interview that we personally like. You know, it was just sort of a all right, guest is gone, let's wrap this up, and you know, here's our oh, feelings yeah. on it. And and I mean. With, with with we don't need to dig into it deeply, but I think you hit, yeah. hit you hit the nail on the head. It wasn't a well written book, and that was basically the gist of our issues with it. We had we had. I mean, again, Mark and I say this all the time. Before the book arrived, he and I 
were excited as hell to get this book. We, you know, it was over Christmas. Our books were on the way, and we we both got the books in time for Christmas break, and we were going to read it over Christmas. And we both paid for it. We ordered them as a regular fan. And 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 you right. know, before the Christmas break, we went on the air and we're like, yeah, you know, our, our book's on the way. We were so excited to read, you know, the original Kiss Road Crew, blah, blah, blah. But then we are on break, and I remember this. I sent Mark uh, an in, a private message on AOL, and I go, are you reading this? And he's like, yeah. And we both kind of knew exactly what we, what we were thinking. It was just like, this right. isn't quite as good as I thought it was going to be. Um, mainly because, yeah, it wasn't well-written. And, and and to their own admission, they chose not to hire an editor. And an editor is so important to a book that, it, you know, that and I, I don't know. You know, for me personally, I would say one of the things that, that eventually turned me off in the book as I was reading it was, the chapter after chapter of they didn't take care of us, they owe us, they didn't take care of us, they owe us. And it's sort of like, I get that. I understood that. You said that in the first chapter. You don't need to repeat that next chapter, next chapter, next chapter, next chapter, because now you're looking like you're being very petty about it. Right. I understand what you're saying and where you're coming from. Absolutely. Um yeah, it's, you know, I agree. I read the book. Uh, I read it from a different standpoint because I knew these guys and I'd been on the road with them. But, no, it was not a good book. Uh, it was not a well-written book, and uh, I wish they had gotten an editor. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they they drove that point home. Uh, I think it did probably became too much and it's uh, you know the book also is it's kind of a camel you know it's uh basically four guys putting it together and um so i don't know it doesn't really it's not a great book we all know that but i just wanted to let you know i i didn't i actually spoke to jr yesterday How's he doing? Because he's he's yeah. been he's he's battling cancer, and I haven't really seen any updates. He How's he doing? He's uh, going to give everybody an update very soon. He's uh, going through some treatment, and uh, he he did want me to let everybody out there, all the Kiss fans who stepped up and helped or made comments or whatever. And uh, he, he appreciates the love and the feeling and everything anybody has said or done. Um, I would love everybody to go into their pocket and uh, send a dollar to his uh, GoFundMe. Well, I, I was, I was going to, yeah, I was going to, I was going to say, let, let's remind everybody because we've, we've, we've mentioned a couple times yeah. over the last year, there is a GoFundMe oh, account sure. set up to help Jr. with um, his, his medical costs because his treatment is not a normal treatment. I, my understanding, it's a very expensive right. treatment. Um, you know, everybody, you know, just go a dollar. 
You know, if all you can do is that's, is that's give it. a dollar, fifty, what, yep. whatever it is, head over to GoFundMe.com, search for Jr. And you know, if if Jr.'s words on Kiss Alive meant anything to you, give back to him a little bit, help him through his his treatment here. Yeah, and look, the fact is, Gene and Paul have helped. Um, I don't, and I don't think anybody expects them to take care of the whole thing. He's not their kid. You know, he, he um, who knows? I, I will not judge them for what they're doing. And, but, you know, if, if, if a half a million KISS fans go into their pocket for a dollar each, JR is going to be fine. Well, right. hopefully. I mean, he's still going to treatment. But, uh, you know, it's uh, if we can all help, it's all we can do. Peter has helped. Peter has stepped up. Um, interestingly. And uh, all the guys have have stepped up, and they've all acknowledged it. Well, that, that's good. And that's good to hear. It is, and um, it's you know they're not responsible for it. So I, you know, I don't want anybody out there to think badly of Gene and Paul because they didn't just come in and say, "Okay, Jr., here's everything." That's you know, they, there's a line waiting for them to do stuff like that. And um, believe me, I know I've been around enough people with lots of money to know that uh, there's there's always a line. Yep. And uh, there's uh, there's a new show on uh, with Alex Rodriguez about all these sports figures and actors who were successful and now have nothing. And do you know the show I'm talking about? Yeah, I saw, on, like, the first time. I saw it for the very first cool time. Very cool show. Yeah, I think that was probably the first episode. It was very cool. And it just goes to show you how, first of all, most musicians start making money, and they're pretty young. And I know when I've been with bands, working with bands, I try and tell them, don't expect it to be like this forever. This could end tomorrow. So don't spend your money like you're going to be making a million dollars every week. And unfortunately, I know Steve Marriott died and he was broke. That guy was amazing and made so much money. Um, Big Fleetwood has filed bankruptcy twice. Big Fleetwood Matt made a bit of money. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and all these sports guys, and you know, that just, it's unbelievable. It's very easy to think that it's going to keep coming the way it's coming and spend it like it's going to keep coming. And it's hard, especially when you have people who, they're, you know, most rock stars don't have degrees in economics. 
and uh, don't understand the economics of what they're doing. And and there are terrible business managers out there. Tommy James and the Shondells, remember those guys? Oh yeah. I think I think they had twenty two top ten hits. Well, they were flat out told by their record company when they signed. You guys go out and play, and, and you'll make money. We're not paying you any royalties or any of the money on the records. They were all gangsters. They were all yep. mobsters. And I believe Tommy is coming out with a book or just talking about a film. He, he, uh, he, he's he's, he's they, making he, – his book came out a few years ago, and I think he's been working okay. on on a film. Um, as quick side note, I don't know if you know, uh-huh. but Tommy James' um, manager is Carol Ross. No, I did not know that. Yeah, she, she she's managing Tommy. But anyway, oh, um, well. yeah, go I mean his book was a fascinating read about the very early days of the record industry and as you said, he basically cut a deal with the mob. And you know, yeah. he made yeah. no money and they took all the money and I mean, incredible and and you know, Tommy, if you look at Tommy's catalog of work, and I encourage people to, you're going to go, oh, my God, I, I know that song. Oh, my God, that song was covered by Joan Jett. Oh, that one was covered by, you know, so-and-so. Yeah. That You know, he, incredible catalog of music that he's oh, written and recorded. And, yeah, and I mean, they just flat out told him right to his face. And uh, he was afraid to write the book or do anything about it until they were dead. I can imagine. I would be, too. <laughs> yeah. well, you know, if you watched enough of those behind the musics, there's also some rock stars who were very, you know, teetotaling to a degree and smart. And they were yes. just on the road busting because, you know, both both Ted Nugent and, and Billy Joel have similar stories where they were working and selling records and playing arenas all over the country. And they come back and they're broke. And they're like, yeah. how in the hell are we broke? We can't uh, be broke. We've been working. Our records are, I, I checked the charts. I'm in the top 40. What do you, and we just played, you know, whatever, a, you know, three months, <laughs> 10,000 seaters and I'm broke. <laughs> yeah. I, I tell you what, there's a great part in that. Did you ever see the movie Hired Gun? Yeah, good movie. But, uh, but that's the one where the, the replacement guys in the bands come in. And um, the guy, they, they had uh, Liberty DeVito, uh, um, Billy Joel's drummer on. Right. And, he, and he found out that he was out of the band by a commercial for a Billy Joel concert. And at the keep in mind, those guys, yeah, I just uh, a lot of guys were living the life of Riley. You know, they were Billy Joel's band. They were with Billy since he was an unknown, and all of a sudden, you know, the spigot got turned off. And yep, it's crazy. It's it's oh. that, this is this is just an, a, a, a horrid business at times. <laughs> yeah, oh, it know. is. It, it'll it'll rip you to pieces. It can uh, it can destroy your life. Uh, and and even if you're not a rock star, I mean it it, it affects people. Uh, guys that you know work for bands get affected in uh, in in ways. I mean, you saw it when you're touring with a band. It's very easy to get wrapped up in their lifestyle, and 
you know, it's like you're going to count's houses to parties and you're being taken out to dinner everywhere to the greatest restaurants in the world and, you know, just really taken care of and everything's first class. And then you come back and here I go back to my apartment in Brooklyn and Okay, it's uh, <laughs> this is a, that wasn't reality. This you're eating you're, reality. Eat, you're eating ramen noodles and living in your studio. <laughs> yeah, well, not quite that bad, but still, not going well, to accounts house and meeting some beautiful exotic right woman that you know probably owns her own island somewhere and spending the night with her. You know, it's like okay, here's reality. I'm on. I'm in Brooklyn. You know, it's uh, it's pretty funny. So uh, you can really get wrapped up in the non-reality of the whole thing and the fantasy of the whole thing, and you really do feel when you're out there like this is life. This is what life is now. And you have to catch yourself and stop yourself every now and then and say, no. And, you know, I would always try to be the adult in charge and the one with the level head. And, uh, funny, funny story, uh, quick, quick story, a little sidebar here with Lou Reed. Uh, by the way, I am working on a film myself. Um, working title is 1975. I hate that the 1975s came out and call themselves the 1975s and don't even sound like they're from 1975. <laughs> <laughs> they sound like an alternative band. It's just, I don't know. But uh, my working title is 1975 or 75. And it's a year in my life from New Year's Eve 74, 75 to New Year's Eve 75, 76. And during that year, uh, I did a world tour with Lou Reed, and then in the fall of that year, I went to work for Kiss, and the first Kiss Alive album came out. So it was quite an interesting year, and a very pivotal year in my life. And uh, I think I tried to count how many ways I almost died during that year, and I got up into the 20s. Wow. And I said, no, I'm not doing this anymore. It was, we had riots in Italy with Lou, all kinds of weird stuff. Uh, but one thing that Lou did, it's kind of funny, uh, talk about a rock star and a fantasy. Uh, we had just gotten to Tokyo. We hadn't done one show yet on this tour. Uh, and we had our tour manager was a woman named Barbara Falk, who was great, real good tour manager, good friend. And Lou calls her up. We're in a, I don't know what hotel we were in in Tokyo, but a really nice one. And Lou's traveling with, uh, Rachel, Richard. Rachel had not had the full surgery, so was still physically a man, but it had some shots and some things, so was, somewhat of a woman on top half. Um, I related to Rachel as a woman, although Rachel was a man. Great Richard, Rachel. But mm -hmm. I did relate to Rachel as a woman. Um, and uh, Lou decided, uh, he calls Barbara up in her room, 
And he goes, I need $5,000. I want to buy Rachel a ring in the hotel store. And, and Barbara goes, Lou, I don't have $5,000. We just came out. We haven't even done a show yet. I have, you know, a couple of thousand bucks. That's it, you know, for float. And he got completely pissed off at her and fired her right there on the spot. <laughs> and uh, our lighting director was a guy named Ronnie Meadows, who had also been uh, worked for stars after that, I think. But he was our LD. And he was hanging out with Barbara on the road. Ron was married, but he and Barbara were like a couple on the road and shared a room. So Ron got fired, too, because association with Barbara. And, uh, I mean, he wanted $5,000 to buy a ring in a hotel lobby store. So you guys have been to hotels. You know what they charge in the lobby store for jewelry and such. And, you know, if you want to buy a ring, go somewhere. But he he went nuts. He fired everybody. He ended up firing his manager, Dennis Katz, in New York. He called up Dennis and was angry at Dennis because he couldn't have the $5,000. And actually called me up. This story could go on for a long time, and I don't want to – this is not about Lou Reed, so we won't go on too much about it. But – uh, he wanted me to take over at that point and take over the whole tour and as his manager. Everything was so crazy, and I hadn't seen any of the paperwork. I didn't know anything that was going on. So I, I said, basically said to Lou, I will get. make sure you get on stage every night. You and the band get on stage every night, but I'm not going to take care of the business on this thing. I have no idea what's going on. So, uh, very interesting. But there, I mean, there's a, a fantasy. Lou Reed thinks, hey, I'm a rock star. Hey, I'm in Japan. I'm about to play the Budokan. I'm about to play uh, this place, that place. Why can't I have $5,000 to buy my boyfriend, girlfriend a ring? Right. Uh, but that's, that was his thinking. He ended up firing all these people over it. In the meantime, I stayed with the tour. It was basically me and the sound engineer left. <laughs> and um, we did Australia, we did New Zealand, uh, we did Hong Kong. We were all over the place and just picking up crew as we went along. And um, in the end, uh, I ended up having to put my credit card down on the hotel. Lou went off with the Australian promoter to his horse farm, Lou and Rachel. Me and the van were, I think, in Melbourne getting ready to leave. And we went to check out of the hotel, and the hotel pulled all our luggage and said, I'm sorry, until this bill is paid, we're not giving you guys your luggage. <laughs> and I had to pull out my personal American Express card. And I can't remember how much it was, but it was like a couple of thousand bucks. And I had to, I had to put my card down to pay for the rooms that the promoter was supposed to pay for and when I got back to New York, I tried to get the money. I called Dennis Katz, news manager. Dennis said, I have no idea what happened on the tour. Lou fired me. I've seen no money, no paperwork, nothing. I'm sorry. And uh, the next thing that happened is I heard from Lou, like two months later, couldn't find Lou the whole time. 
I actually took a, a Gibson SG that he'd been playing, and I took it just because he owed me a lot of money. It's collateral, I yeah. Yeah, I hadn't been paid for the Australian tour either. Nobody, the band wasn't paid, I wasn't paid. It just was chaos. And um, I was going to go to Hampton Roads, Virginia. It was Thanksgiving Day. And I was going to Hampton Roads, Virginia to do a show with The Who. And I guess this was just before I went to work for Kiss. And I was working for a promoter at that time, John Sher. When I got off the road with Lou, I went back to work for John. And he sent me to Hampton Roads to do a show at The Who. Well, I had an early flight. And it's like five in the morning and I'm up and I'm getting ready and showered and getting dressed and getting ready to go to Hampton Roads for a few days. And my phone rings and it's Lou. And he goes, I want my guitar and I want it right now. I said, Lou, I'm about to get on a plane to go to Virginia to do a show. I'll be back in about three days and I'll call you. And uh, we can sit down and talk about everything. And he goes, I want the guitar now, or I'm sending somebody to get it. I said, send them on. I'll go to phone. And uh, the next time I saw Lou was probably 15 years later at the first International Rock Awards in the Lexington Avenue Armory in New York. And everybody in the world was playing there. Uh, Clapton and uh, Bowie and, and Lou was playing. And Lou came up to me, and I knew at this point he was married to a woman and he kicked drugs. And he came up to me, and he did a 12-step apology thing. He said, I want to apologize to you for anything I might have done in the past or, you know, whatever. And I just said, Lou, it's okay. Don't worry about it. See ya. But, did, uh, did, did you ever get yeah, your money, I, and did he get his guitar back? Uh, no, I, I gave a friend of mine the guitar for free. And nobody seems to know where that guitar is now. I don't know why. But uh, I gave it to a friend of mine who's a good guitar player. And um, I never got paid. And, uh, oh, I've, I, Sharon Osborne still owes me money. Uh, <laughs> good luck. Yeah, good good luck with that. Industry. Yeah, good luck with that. I know. It's, uh, no, it's really funny. No, it, she owes me a bunch of money, and uh, they actually cut my deal. I cut my deal before I went to L.A. to do the tour, and then when I got out there, they, they before I even flew out to L.A., to LA they owed me like 10 weeks' salary. And uh, Paul Chavaria, who was Gene's bass tech way back when, was the production man I hired Paul is Ozzy's production manager. I was the tour manager. And I heard Paul. Paul's been running around production managing and doing stuff with which which, which, o- which Ozzy tour was this? Uh, the No More Tears tour. No More Tours tour. Yeah. Uh, yeah Theater of Madness tour. It had several names. Uh, I did the Concrete Foundations Forum show with them. Okay, I remember that. And um, and then I quit. We were supposed to start the tour in Japan. But then I quit because, uh, well, we 
We got together with them in New York. We come off Clash of the Titans. Paul was the production manager for Clash of the Titans, which was Anthrax Slayer, Megadeth, and Alice in Chains. I was uh, tour managing Megadeth on that tour and kind of working with the whole tour and overseeing a lot of stuff. And Paul had actually called me that Megadeth needed a production manager, uh, a tour manager. And then after Clash of the Titans, Megadeth's manager was supposed to take over Ozzy. And Sharon was going to back out. And his name was Ron Lafitte. Really good guy, young guy, good-looking guy. Anyway, he um, he's the one who hired me as Ozzy's tour manager. Uh, I'd already done Megadeth with him. And one night, we, uh, well, Paul and I were in New York, and we were putting the tour together. And we met with Sharon and Ozzy, and we got some retainer money. Each of us got nice, nice retainer check. But, you know, we were getting high salaries, and the retainer check lasted for a little while. But, you know, we still were waiting for our salaries. And we were being told that, oh, Sony's holding up money. And come on, Ozzy's got money. <laughs> Ozzy's got plenty of money. Anyway, we... Paul and I got together. At this point, we wrote about 10 weeks salary, and we were supposed to go to L.A. to start rehearsals and get ready for the tour. And um, we sat down and talked about it. We decided that if we didn't go to L.A., we'd never see the money. If we went to L.A., maybe we have a chance. So we went to L.A., and we started rehearsals. And, um, well, my first, my first meeting with the tour... With, with Ozzy's accountant, a guy named Chuck Shapiro, uh, total asshole. Uh, he was Motley Crue's uh, accountant as well. Uh, I went up to his office to discuss show settlement. And, okay, well, also, when I was hired, I was hired as tour manager. I was told we need to hire a security guy, which I did. We need a new wardrobe person because Joni... Ozzy's old wardrobe girl is too into drugs and we're trying to keep Ozzy off drugs. And uh, three, they want to be the higher tour account. Well, suddenly, Ozzy doesn't want a security guy. He's going to have Tony, who's this little English guy. He'll travel with Ozzy and you can take care of security. And I was traveling with the band. Ozzy had his own bus and the band and I were in another bus. So, no security. So now I have another hat I'm wearing. Then, oh, the shows are all guarantees. There's not going to be any settlement. So we're not going to need a tour account. So you can do that, too. All of a sudden, your role well, is increasing every day. Majorly. And then I hired this girl who I knew for years, who had never been on the road, who had worked for me, as an assistant production manager in a really big venue, and she was great. And she was working at Universal in Florida, and I called her up and I said, look, it's a wardrobe position, but I know you want to get out on the road, and it's yours if you want it. It's an easy wardrobe position. And she took it, and she gave notice at Universal, and two weeks later we did the Concrete Foundations Forum, 
and I was supposed to fly her out. I had already bought her a plane ticket. And at the concrete foundations for him, Joni, Ozzy's old oh, worker God. person, it's shows bad. up. And I go to Sharon, what's going on? And Sharon goes, oh, Ozzy decided he wanted Joni to do it. I said, well, I wish you would have told me I had this girl quit her job. And she's supposed to fly out here like in two days. And Sharon was like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, well. And, uh, and then Sharon chased Ron Lafitte, the guy who was supposed to manage the whole thing and was Megadeth's manager. She chased him around her hotel room one night, and Ron wouldn't sleep with her. And the next day, I get a phone call saying Ron is no longer involved. Jeez. Okay. I call up Ron to find out what happened, and Ron told me what happened. And I said, okay, well, we'll see what happens. Anyway, I go to meet with the accountant, and he doesn't say hello, nothing. I walk into his office, and he goes, you're making too much money. We need to recut your deal. Oh, this is the deal that Ron had already cut with you. Yes, and the charity accepted. Yeah, everybody accepted. It was, you know, it was a fair deal. And he goes, we need to recut your deal. You're making too much money. I go, I go very nice to meet you, too. We're not here to talk about my deal. I didn't make my deal with you. I'm not going to discuss my deal with you. And he just kept going. I said, we're here to talk about settlement and how you want the books and what's going on. And I had seen some of the contracts, and they weren't guarantees, which means I was going to have to go up and be a Torah count and, you know, go through settlement. And it's, it's fairly complex. That's why you have someone who does that. And I just totally nuts. And, um, so he said, uh, you know, we want to recut your deal. Meanwhile, I'm going, well, you need to give me a check in any case because you owe me money for all these weeks. And I ended up just turning around and walking out of there going, you're an asshole. And, I mean, I was very close to throwing the guy out of his window. It was really, you know, just, it was stupid. And I went and called Sharon, and Sharon goes, oh, we're going to fire him. I don't like him. Uh, he, we hired him for a little while, but we're going to fire him. Don't worry about anything that he says. You don't have to worry about it. Well, I get a call about a week later. We're still in rehearsal. Um, and they said, there's a check for you at the office. Oh, well, that's nice. I go to the office, and they recut my deal, reduced it by 20%, and gave me a check as if that was my weekly rate. So the check was taxed at like 50% because it was a big check. <laughs> I took the check. I went downstairs to the bank. I had just come from the Japanese consulate where I had gotten everybody's visas paid. Uh, uh, everybody's passports, visas for Japan. And I went down to the bank, cashed the check because I didn't trust these people, went to Sharon's office, walked into her office, 
had a like a bag from like Ralph's or something, had everybody's passports in the Ralph's bag, threw it on her desk, and said, "Have a nice tour. Go fuck yourself." <laughs> and and, and uh, I walked out, walked, walked back to went back to La Park where I was staying, called Paul, told him I'm out of here, and uh, told him what happened. And my wife and my then infant son were in the hotel. Got them, got in a plane, and went back to New York. And uh, yeah, it was uh, didn't do the tour. And uh, it's funny because the guy they hired to replace me was not a tour manager or a security guy; he was a tour accountant. <laughs> and it was pretty funny. And I don't think they had a tour manager on the tour after me. I think it was just like this guy was the tour accountant, and we'll just deal with you know it and sharing what happened. Mark, 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 could, Mark could probably add to this, but those are the types of stories I want in a road crew book. Yes, yes. Well, you'll get you'll get that someday from me. And uh, uh, I, yes, I am writing. A, I'm writing an interesting movie, and I'm writing an interesting book, and it's very different. And, uh, and it's going to be stuff like that. And. Uh, yeah, that's I know that's what you're looking for, and uh, you know the fact is, Sharon. Okay, I I advanced an entire Japanese tour and Far Eastern tour. I can't remember where. I guess we're going to Australia, but I advanced that from my house on my personal landline, which in those days you paid long distance. You paid a lot of money. And Sharon never covered my phone bill. She still owes me money for that phone bill. Plus, they recut my deal by 20%. What a wonderful business. It really is. It's just such a great business. You know, the, the, and, the, the, uh, the, the, why that stuff would be so great in a book, any book, is that so many fans have no insight into all of this that's going on. That when you start hearing these stories and learning all of this, you realize it's amazing anything happens in rock and roll. Albums get recorded, released, tours happen, because there is always some sort of clusterfuck right up to the always very last bullshit. minute. Yep. Always some bullshit. Always hey, something. Just going to work for Lou Reed, okay, in the beginning of the year, in uh, February of, of 75, I was friends with a guy named Matt Leach. Matt Leach was Lou Reed's production manager for years, and he also worked at SIR in New York, which is a big rehearsal rental place. And uh, and I knew Matt from rehearsals and stuff that I'd been doing with other bands, and he and I were good friends. Well, I get a call from Matt, I don't know, it was a Wednesday, Thursday or something, and he goes, I just got asked to do David Bowie's tour, but I'm supposed to do Lou's world tour. I really want to do David's tour. Do you want to do Lou's tour? And I said, sure. When does it start? And he goes, you have to be in London tomorrow. <laughs> I go, okay. You know, I don't have a passport, but in those days I was able to go to Rockefeller Center and I could get a passport right then. And I just... I, I 
got in a cab or something, went to Rockefeller Center, got my passport, went to Lou's office, got some float money. Next morning, on a plane to England. And I'm the only American. I have an all-British crew. And it's, there, there you go. So, uh, yeah, think, and figure that out. How many, uh, you know, I wasn't married. Um, I was working for a promoter, but, you know, I was doing shows for him. But I called him up and said, hey. Uh, let Big John take over some of these shows because Big John was working for me then uh, for the promoter. And uh, I went out on tour with Lou. So, yeah, no, it's a, it's a, a crazy business. It really is. And uh, well, it, it's nuts. Rick, Rick, so fill us in on what you're doing right now. You're you you're going to be working on a project that Kiss fans are going to find very interesting. That you're actually making the first announcement about right here. Yes, the uh, A and E Network or channel, whatever I think it's Network uh, Arts and Entertainment Network uh, is doing an authorized biography film filmography of KISS. And uh, I have been asked to uh, come out and uh, they want to talk to me and uh, a few other people. I'm not sure exactly who. Uh, but now, 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 now talk, talk to you as in, will you be interviewed and on the show? Are you going to provide background consulting about you know, if you're going to depict this, this is how it really happened. I mean, what what is your role going to be? I believe I'm going to be interviewed, and uh, I'm not sure what they're going to ask me. I do believe one of the things they want to do and one of the things that was mentioned, I'm not sure if it's going to happen or not, but um, zero who was Kiss's pyrotechnician way back in the early days after Moose got hurt and was there when I was there. I was never on tour with Moose. Moose was gone before I got there. Um, but Zero lives in Dallas, and Zero and I are in touch. And where what, what's been talked about is I know they want to talk to me about the incident in Hawaii with uh, Paul jumping off the catamaran and be having to go in after him. And Zero was the guy I rented the catamaran with and was the guy driving the catamaran when Paul jumped off. And um, so they're talking about possibly separately talking to Paul with his take, Zero with his take, and me with my take. So, so and from from your we'll from, little, little Rashomon uh, thing going on. So, from your understanding, is is this movie going to be uh, a, a bunch of interviews with the people there, or is it going to be sort of the Motley Crew, the Dirt biopic, where they're going to take liberties and recreating events and have people acting in roles? I don't believe that it's going to be the latter. It's. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to be a dramatic film at all okay. or have any acting. I think it's all going to be uh, 
very much nonfiction and um, and well, just that, the history. That's, that's true. I actually supplied the producers with uh, some phone numbers they were asking me for. Wait, wait a second. Uh-oh. Ding ding. <laughs> no, no, but just so clarify. Now, I don't know if it, I, I've, I'm, I've actually been privy to the list of guests of people they want to speak to, and uh, they're not they're not skimping. It's the, again, Rick, people like yourself. Right. This isn't the bullshit people that saw them, you know, once a, you know, once every six months. This is Rick right. stupid. Right. You said the, zero. The, the, the guys the, who the, fucking who were there, who were there. Yeah. Yeah, the, but but it's very well rounded. Again, I, I'm privy to see the list, guys. They literally have every base covered. This this thing should be pretty special when it's done. And I've actually helped out with some stuff too. Um, but like Rick they was saying, they were consulting with you. Yes. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Very detailed. Um, it, it's going to be great if, if, if it lives up to the hype. And, and again, like I said, privy to some of the things that they want to focus on. It's not just your run of the mill. Again, when when has this story that Rick was just talking about been discussed in a kiss movie or a kiss by never, or, never. That's that's the point. They really wanted right. to get unique stories that have not been told yet. So it, it, it's it's going to be more than just, oh, hey. Kiss recorded Kiss Alive at Cobo Hall. Woohoo! This is going to be the real stories behind Kiss. Yes, this is going to be in depth and, and and with Kiss as human beings as well as being rock stars and an entity as a band. Do do uh, do, do either of you no, know? I, is this cover the entire life of Kiss, or are they going to yeah, just focus? It does. That's going to be does. a heck of a yes. Heck of a, a a movie to cover that long of a period. It is, yeah. And I two hours sounds short, but uh, I don't know. Um, but yes, uh, I even uh, you guys might not even know this name. There's a guy named Inez Barreto. Do you know that name, Mark? I do not. I do not. Inez used to work for me at the Capitol. Inez was a guy from Passaic, New Jersey. Uh, he was a great guy, really good security guy. When I was gone and John took over, John started going to people from the Capitol crew to bring in to Kiss. Like uh, Rosie was at the Capitol. And, uh, yeah, all these guys that came in after me all went through the Capitol. And Inez was hired right around the time when they were doing the solo albums because he had met with Peter and I think he was working with Ace on Ace's solo album. And then Peter left, I guess, shortly after that. You guys would know more than I would about the timeline on this, but uh, Peter left shortly after that, and he got to know Eric, Eric Carr, uh, really well, and they became very close. And he, they had four security guys then; they had four bodyguards at that point. Uh, and I believe he was taking care of Eric, and they became very close right up until the end. 
and uh, I've given the producers his name. Because when I told them that, you know, here's a guy who's close to Eric Carr, they got kind of excited about it. Yeah, mine snowballed just, just like that, Rick. That's exactly. Do you uh, know this guy? Do you know that? Yep, I know that. Can you? Right. Can you? right. Do you, do, yeah. you, do you have a, a timeline on production, release, anything like that? They had called me around the second week of, week of December, I think, and wanted to see if I could fly out that week. And I couldn't. I could have flown out. The only day I had open that week was Monday. So I told them I could fly out Sunday night, but I'd have to fly back Monday night. And I said, I'm fine doing that. I have no problem doing that. But they, uh, they said, let's, let's hold and we'll be in touch after the holidays. And I guess we'll be in touch after the holidays. So it has, so, it, it, it hasn't, I, it sounds like it hasn't started filming yet. It's hard to say. They might have with some people. And I but, let me, but I, have I, I, I do know they have, I know of a couple interviews that have been done already. So they have started. Okay. Okay. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I know they haven't spoken to Inez yet because he called me about a week ago and said, I haven't heard from these guys. I said, well, it's the holidays. You know, it's, it's Hollywood. It's the holidays. So uh, they're, they're still off until today, I think. But, um, yeah, so I, I'm not sure when the release date is. I could only guess if they've just started some of the interviews. It wouldn't be before potentially this fall or more realistically next year because when you think about the timing of things, next year, July next year is going to be the final KISS show. It would be a great advance next year to lead in and promote the final KISS show. Here on A&E is the Kiss biography, and by the way, get your tickets for was it July twenty first of twenty twenty one? Perhaps it's hard to say. I mean, Kiss might want it out there before that because their ticket sales aren't as strong as they would like. Uh, I mean, they added they added David Lee Roth. I don't know if you guys saw any of that that was making the rounds on the internet this weekend, but. Oh yeah, there's there's plenty there's there's plenty there's plenty of kids. The second show is is head and shoulders better than the first show. I because no, I was paying attention to the clips because I'm a big fan of Van Halen and and I yeah. heard what everyone else heard. Um, obvious it's obvious that Dave heard what everyone else heard too because the second night he. He, he put it this way, he obviously heard the first night because the second sure. night was nowhere near which I'm glad he did, you know. You you can you can oh, almost yeah. you can almost bet that his Vegas residency now is sort of by default become his rehearsals and warm up for the KISS tour. So that when he hits the right. KISS tour next month, it's just gung ho, spot on. He's nailed the set list. He knows what he's rapping about. Um, he's 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 getting his uh, he's getting his wings back, so to speak. I guess right now. I hope so. I just felt really bad for him, and I was thinking he can't possibly be hearing his monitors. 
that's one thing. As you know, Rick, I'm, I'm a musician as well. If you can't hear, if your monitor's not good, and I'm not making, I'm, I make, I'm going to be perfectly crystal clear. I'm making zero excuses for David Lee Roth. What, what that, what, what came out of that first night is absolutely abysmal. But better, but to my point, the second night was nowhere near as abysmal. Um, some rough spots, but again, like Michael just said, it's the, that's the second night. It's, it's only going right. to get better. And like you said, I don't know what the monitors were like. And, and again, for, for non-musicians or somebody who's never sang publicly, you can even have a good voice, but if you can't hear what you're harmonizing to, you're not going to hear it. You're it, lost. You're totally yeah, you're lost. lost. So just, just and, again, there's a reason why a lot of Dave, I'm sure Dave has access. This is what the big boys do. Kiss wear them. The their monitors yeah. are now in their ears, whereas before you had wedges. Or, and I'm sure they still have wedges. Oh, sure. But, but, you know, but, now, but to your point, Mark, there's still problems with in-ears. I remember doing a show at a venue yeah. I booked a couple years ago with Don Dockin, and he didn't get his in-ear monitors connected properly to the monitor system. He couldn't hear himself through the in-ears. So it, yeah. the, the exact same problem, even if you don't have, even if you have in-ears, there still could be nothing coming out of your in-ears that allows you to hear what you're actually singing. There's there's all kinds of possibilities and problems and wireless issues and frequencies. When you're using all kinds of wireless equipment on stage, you need to have a wireless tech with you because your frequencies are going to be different in Dallas than they are in San Francisco. And example, go 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 watch the go watch Spinal Tap. That one moment where, yeah. where they were playing at an Air Force. Air Force Base and their wirelesses were picking up the control tower or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, Spinal Tap is a, is a joke, but that's real. That can happen. Spinal Tap is one of the most realistic movies I've ever seen. <laughs> I've been in almost every one of those scenes. I've been in the scene with Kiss in makeup following me to the stage, and we can't find it. It's like, you know, you you do this stuff, you go out and you do it, then you see a film like that, and it's like, yeah, that was my life. That's it's not that funny. It was, a, it's a, real. a lot of a lot of rock stars in the eighties did not like spinal tap because it was, as you said, it was the truth. They've experienced those things, and they're not. They're not. It, it's not something they're they want to make a big deal out of. Right. No, it, it, the Spinal Tap is so dead on. It was, it was, it's a brilliant movie. It's just such a wonderful movie. And I like the Motley Crue movie, too. Yeah, I thought that was I too. Kind I thought of cool. it was fun. It, it, you yeah. know, my, my, and, and I'm glad, getting back to the A&E thing, I'm glad the A&E is going to be a biography and not a biopic because they're completely different yeah. in what they are. Very the biopic, bio like The Dirt, was a fun movie, but you can't take that as history because there was so much stuff that right. was had, had creative liberties and change. 
I mean, again, the, the, the one that I'm laughing about is like uh, Doc McGee wasn't managing Kiss when he first met Motley Crue. That little bit of right. fact, you can get away with that in a biopic. In a actual biography, you can't. It's all about facts and truth in a biography. Right, right. Well, you know, yep. splitting hairs, it's no, the Queen movie was the same yep. thing. You know, 1974, I think it said, and, you know, they're playing a song from 1978. Again, like right. you said, you can get away with that. that. Again, that's another reason I'm so excited because... I know on this project, they're they're they want to get it right, and again, they want to speak to people like you, Ray. Yes. They want to. This is not. This is going to be no bullshit. I really think. Put it this way: everything that I've seen, and I've seen a lot, it, they're going out of their way to to really capture this the way us fans need it captured, the truth. So right. I'm, I'm hoping that the that's truth the, the truth and the history and the truth has many different sides. Yes. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the movie Rashomon. No. Nope. Uh, it's a Kurosawa movie. Uh, you know the Seven Samurai? Uh, the, uh, the Magnificent Seven was based on a okay. Kurosawa movie okay. called The Seven Samurai, which is a f- fantastic movie. Very easy to watch, too, although it's dubbed. But there's another movie by Kurosawa, who's a brilliant director, called Rashomon. And it's a story of a murder takes place. And there are several people there when this murder takes place. And they come in and they interview all of these people and their stories are all over the place. Memory is a very funny thing. Yep. Uh, I think if they do get me, Zero, and Paul talking about what happened in Hawaii, you're probably going to get three different stories. Sure. Now, I've talked I've talked to Zero about it a little bit. I, I mentioned to Zero not too long ago, I said, you know, I never asked you, what was going on in your mind when he jumped off the boat, and then when I just looked at you and said, I hope I see you again, and dove in. And he goes, my my mind was just going, he jumped off the boat. Why did he jump off the boat? He jumped <laughs> off the boat. Why did he jump off the boat? He jumped off the boat. Why did he... And he said, that's all, he said, that's all I recall about anything. And, uh, and you know, pretty much, like, why do you jump off a boat in the ocean? <laughs> it's like you want to be on the boat. So it, it'll be interesting. Uh, and, and, you know, Paul's, Paul, I've heard Paul talk about it. I've seen Paul's blurb in his book about it. He mentions my name, but it's not quite the same feeling I had about the whole thing, honestly. Well, yeah, because, and, you know, you, between, you and Zero had a different point of view than Paul did. Right. I mean, Paul, Paul was the person that jumped right. off. He can actually answer the question, why did you do it? But you guys can answer what was going on, what did you see, what was happening. You know, that, that, that's why it's so great to get all these different stories from different people involved, because you take three different stories, and somewhere right in the middle of all of that is the truth. Yes, somewhere. Mix them all up and 
somewhere there's the truth. So, yeah, no, I think it'd be fascinating to do that, and uh, hopefully they will. I think they're a little nervous about Zero, but I talk to Zero, and Zero's articulate, and, um, you know, Zero's always been a little bit crazy, but uh, his, his email address is... Uh, uh, I'm not giving too much away here, but it's, it's kind of like uh, insane old zero uh, in, <laughs> in different words. And, uh, that's his own email. Hey, uh, uh, Rick, is, is Hot Sam still yeah. around? This yeah, Sam, Sam's, uh, he's around. He's living in Ann Arbor, and uh, he does design and consulting work and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I'm in touch with him. Uh He's he's around. He's on Facebook too. Yeah, he'd be a great guy to to talk to. I, I again, when Sam I was, is a great guy, and and very bright, and can talk to you about technical stuff with Kiss that I know a lot of people are interested in that I could begin to talk about. Yeah, I mean, he ran the board. I mean, he, he'd know the yeah. He was the kind of house guy, you know. He's, yeah. You know, getting back to what we were talking about before, too, and, and Mark, you were talking about monitors. We don't know what his monitors were with David. But all, I've worked with bands where the sound man just completely screws up. Nobody goes, man, the sound guy sucked. They go, wow, that band sucked. Right. Yep. You know? I mean, there are times when you can say the sound man sucked because you're getting feedback throughout the entire show. But most of the time, if the sound isn't right, it's nobody looks at the sound guy or the sound system. If, 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 if you don't realize too, what the band is hearing on stage is not what you're hearing in the audience. It's two different the sound systems. Totally different mix. Then yeah, it's two, it's two different speaker systems. It's yes. two different boards. It's two different guys, people. Guys, just and I, I explain it this way: if you go back. In the early 70s, and a great example is the Black Sabbath 1970 show from Paris. The reason I'm saying this is because you see it there. There's two mics taped together, and that's what Ozzy's singing out of. Because right. one mic is going into the monitor, and the other mic is going to the front to the front house. So um, that, that was probably... One mic was for recording, and the other was going front of house monitors. They would uh, they would have a matrix that would take the mic signal. That's when you see a double mic like that. Most of the time, it's because of recording. I've never seen anybody do anything like that to send a separate mix to the monitors. I don't oh, know I, if it's I, ever been I done. I know they have. I mean, really? Yeah, I've, I've talked to. I'm a geek about that stuff, and and I have talked okay. to, to some. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, I that also makes perfect sense, right? <laughs> it could also be, um, you know, uh, used for that as well. So, right. If you did that on one of my shows that I was production managing, there'd be a new sound company the next. Week. <laughs> uh, you, 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 I was I was I was going to say, you know, if you're in the audience and you see somebody in the band pick up their water bottle and throw it to the side of the stage. That's a good indicator that they've been having a lot of problems with their monitors, and they're now to the pissed-off point of just fixing yeah. the monitor guy. Oh, yeah. Megadeth was 
Dave Mustaine. Unbelievable. He, his monitor guy, a guy named Harry from upstate New York, who I knew for years, older guy, worked with lots and lots of different bands. But when we were out on Megadeth, um, Dave's voice is right in the frequency range that his guitar is. And they are, their stage volume is so loud that it's a very difficult job for a monitor guy. And Dave would freak out nightly at Harry because he couldn't hear his vocals. And if Harry could get his vocals hot enough in the mix, it would just be feedback because Dave's guitar was so loud and in the same frequency range. And, oh, he would go nuts on Harry. He would want me to fire Harry every day. And uh, he, he said to me, you have to do me a favor. Every night at the top of the show, you have to go stand next to Harry and make sure he's paying attention to me. And I said, Dave, that's not the issue. <laughs> we tried to explain it, but Dave was Dave. And, uh, yeah, I'd go up there and he'd go nuts. And uh, Harry had an impossible job to do. Now, Rick, do you know, uh, do you stay in touch with that camp at all? I mean, I just wondered, and this is totally off the, the topic, but is he doing better? Obviously, you know, he had throat cancer. I don't know if you stayed close to, to you know, to Dave. I, I haven't really. Um, I was close to, closest to the drummer, Nick Menza, mm-hmm. who died recently, uh, died a couple of years ago on stage. Um, Dave. Dave and I got along, but um, he was a little nuts. No, we didn't really have, um, never really kept in touch. Um, he said kind of a life-altering sort of, uh, you know, um, in the last decade, I guess. He really kind of changed some of his uh, old habits, I guess, to... Uh, um, much, you know, much like Alice Cooper, a lot of guys that survived that long sure. in that business. Ace Frehley is another one. I mean, uh, yeah, I, what, I, I recently saw Ace, and he looks physically looks way better than he did 15 years ago. You know? Oh, absolutely. Very absolutely. happy, and proud of him. Just as a music fan, I mean, he looks yep. healthier. You know, so he does, and you know, it shows us the wear and tear. Look, the fact is, you know, we're all getting old. We're all wearing out. And if you put these horrible things in your body all the time, it's going to wear you out faster and make you stupid and make you do stupid things. And, you know, and, uh, no, I'm, I'm very proud of Ace. I really am. Um, out of everybody, if you would have asked me in 1975 who I thought would still be alive and kicking now, I would have said Gene and Paul. I, I Ace never would have made it that far. Peter, no way. So it's it's interesting that Ace at this point is uh, such a different person, but the same person. Rick, Rick, Rick let, let, you know, we we got to sort of um, wrap up here, but I'd love to get your personal take yes. on this. Um, do you think Ace and Peter? are still alive today because they're not in KISS? It's quite possible. Um, 
you know, having that money spigot turned off and the drug spigot turned off, I would say that's big. I, you know, I, w- I would think if they had the kind of money or made the kind of money Gene and Paul did, I don't, I don't think it would have been good for them. Peter seems to be managing life very well yeah. these days. I think I think um, he's taken to retirement very well. Uh, it seems so, and uh, I know he's got this woman who he's with, who seems to be taking care of him and um, doing okay. I know they talked to Jr. and uh, you know uh, about uh, and and Peter's been pretty helpful with jr and you know has been trying to do things to help jr Rick, and, Rick, um, go go ahead finish uh, i mean that's basically it uh, i i just think steve barry it's a good example of somebody who i knew fairly well who made a lot of money when he was very young and then burnt himself to death stoned on heroin it was there it was accessible uh, who knows? Uh, Keith Richard, you know, supposedly still does heroin all the time, but you know, he couldn't afford to go get blood transfusions. And, uh, if, if you're wealthy, you can be a junkie and be okay. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think those guys were as anchored and it would have been, uh, it would have been a hard struggle for them. You have to realize uh, people are trying to give you things, drugs, all the time. When I worked with Lou Reed, people would send throw syringes and white powder up on stage. And either I or one of the roadies would go get it, throw it back into the audience, or just throw it out. Lou would get mad at us. What are you throwing that out for? And it's like, Lou, you won't eat a chocolate cake that someone gives you. You're going to shoot some white powder that someone's throwing up on stage? Why not just go buy this right now? And, you know, it, it was nuts, you know. So, but really, everybody, even even just like working for the band, everybody is trying to give you drugs, trying to get you to come over and hang out, trying to do this, trying to do that. It's just, it's, it's a lot of pressure. And if, if you're not a really strong person and you're into drugs or into alcohol, it's going to be very easy to get taken down that road. And, and a lot of people do. Oh yeah. But then, you know, age, age starts catching up and you know, it's, it's not as much fun. Believe me, I feel like if I get a line of cocaine right now, that'd probably be it. I'd probably have a heart attack immediately and die. You know, it's like, I'm not a kid. So, you know, I don't, I wouldn't do anything like that. I know there are people my age that do. Well, Rick, I, we, we, we appreciate you, uh, dropping in and give us an, an update and, and, and announcing the A&E Kiss biography that, uh, is in works right now in your involvement. And we've confirmed Mark's involved as well. Um, you know what I would I would um, offer you after you've done your interviews, come on back, 
give us give us a feel for what was talked about how how you think the the biography's coming along after they've they've spoken with you that sounds great love to do that and uh thanks for taking the time to talk with me and please fans kiss people even if you don't know who J.R. Smalling is, he is very important in the KISS world. And without J.R., I don't know if there would have been a KISS in the way it is today. Um, and, you know, reach down, 50 cents, a dollar, whatever. Man needs our help. And he loves all you people. He's, he's the voice. He's, you want the best, you got it. Yep. Hottest band in the land. So, anyway, uh, thank you, everybody, and uh, nice talking with all of you, and look forward to seeing you out there and talk to you guys after the the interview. Awesome. Thank you, Rick. Thank you so much. Always, always a blast talking to somebody who was an old, original-era road crew guy. You know, the first conversation we had with Rick was fascinating. This was great, even though, you know, less Kiss stories, but I, especially as Ozzy and Sharon stories, I was just riveted by that stuff. It's it's great hearing stories about Lou Reed and Ozzy and Sharon and Megadeth and, you know. And guys, keep in context, too, people, if he's working with Lou Reed, there's, there's a Bob Ezrin connection there. You know what I mean? There's Alice Cooper connections in in, in there, uh, and what there, I mean there's by a, that, there's a Bob Kulik connection in there. That's correct. <laughs> all these people, all these people went in the uh, in the uh, uh, they all ran in the same circles. Yeah. So I, when I when I listen to somebody like Rick Stewart speak, you know, talking about being you know with Lou Reed's band and not having. Well, I'm like, well, God, it was was that the tour right before? If you guys don't know, um, Lou Reed's band pretty much became the Alice Cooper band right after the Alice, the original Alice Cooper band, you know, stopped being. Uh, Welcome to My Nightmare was was actually Alice's first solo record. That was basically Lou's band, and um, you know, and, and you'll know Dick Wagner who played in Alice's band also played on destroyer again when Rick's speaking that's the kind of stuff that's going through my mind so I'm thinking to myself you know and I, I don't know I couldn't pinpoint it right there but I think what he said it was early 75 yeah um I, I'm I'm guessing I'm, and I'm not a big Lou Reed fan I mean uh, to be honest I think he's one of the most overrated I, I never saw the whole Velvet Underground thing. Neither I just never I. got it. Either did I. You know, I, and it's funny, the Velvet Underground, I, I like like when other bands do their songs. <laughs> I like you, it you know, than, it, it, it great. They get, they, they've been influential, and I respect all of that. But, yeah, Lou Reed and the Velvet Underground have zero connection to me. I've got no, no personal feelings about it. I will tell you, I, I did go out and I, I bought the rock and roll album, the live record from Lou Reed. It's actually really good. I, I like that. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't get some of the, the Velvet. I actually like the Lou Reed stuff solo, um, meaning I, the rock and roll album and, and, and stuff like that. It was that little period there in the 70s I liked. He was really playing like 
good rock music. And uh, again, you know, I'm a big Mata Hoople fan. I love Ian Hunter. And, you know, Ian Hunter and Mata Hoople, they covered Sweet Jane, which I love. Uh, I love Cheap Tricks' version of Waiting on the Man. I mean, I, there's a few more songs that, that you know, were Lou Reed, Velvet Underground songs that I I like when other bands do them. I just couldn't get into, you know, the Velvet Underground vibe or whatever. But that's another story, I guess. Yep. But, but my, my, my point is it, it all connects with me whenever I listen to somebody who was there, you know. No, all, that, all that, I, exactly. What, you know, it connects with me. But it also makes connections where you're sort of like, oh, okay, I see how how Rick got into Kiss, his connection to get him to Kiss, and you know, even the little things where he said John hired all these people who worked at Cap the Capitol Theater. It's like, you know, that's it. It's a cool little tidbit to learn that that's how all these people came into the Kiss world. Was one guy worked here and he just hired all of his friends to come work for him. It, those are the the road crew stories that I want to hear and read about. Is how how did one thing lead to the next thing, which led to the next thing, and give you know I, I, it's not so much airing dirty laundry, but tell me the 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 craziness that goes on on the road. I want to read that craziness of of settling a show of of you know somebody freaking out on their monitor mix whatever it might be that's that's all part of rock and roll. Yeah, and and I it, it, it's fun listening to somebody like Rick who's very intelligent and very soft spoken and you know what I mean you yeah. know what he's telling you has zero bullshit to it because he can tell that story so well. That's another reason why I'm so excited that he's doing he's part of that movie project because it's people like rick stewart that you're going to get the most bang for your buck from this is a guy who lived it yep and he's got no and that's the best one thing i do love about him he's got no axe to grind that's exactly it he's not trying to get back into kiss's favor he's not trying to get even with them on something he he respects what what he did the band he was there he lived it he survived it here's his story Yep. So homework for this week. I think uh, first one, what do you think of the, the A&E authorized KISS biography that's in the works? Early feelings? I mean, don't get too judgmental on it yet because yeah. other than a few interviews, nothing's been done. We don't, you know, well, other well, than I, Mark, we don't know who's all involved in interviews. Look, but, when they ask me not to say nothing, I don't say nothing. I'm a good boy that way. So when he said he could be doing a cream magazine, cream magazine on me right now, going, oh, they said I can talk about it. Okay, go ahead and talk about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But no, no. I, but, but, that, but that's just the whole thing. Now, I'm doing a little – this isn't technically foreshadowing. We haven't recorded the beginning of the show. So, but I'm pretty sure one of the homework questions should be, "What are your thoughts on Kiss Cruise 10?" Now we haven't even recorded yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. <laughs> also, what do you think of the news about Kiss Cruise 10 that we discussed at the beginning of the show? Which Love we to get your feelings. Haven't discussed yet. And and, and, and and listen, please try and keep anger and emotion out of your response. Just answer respectfully and. Mat- with some maturity. I mean, you can be disappointed or you can be happy, but 
don't say F you, don't say screw you, don't say screw them, cheap bastards. What that that that's not we want to know what bothers you or why it's fine with you. And and I have some details which I haven't talked to Mike about yet that I'm gonna share. So hear my details. Maybe that'll be part of your your homework question. Yeah. Um, yeah. What I'm going to share with Mike once we end the show and start recording the show. Because <laughs> we do the ending first. We, you know, if 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 you if you haven't been around long enough to learn, when we have a guest, we just record the segment of the guest. We don't bring the guest into all of the other stuff because they may not give a crap about that. So when we're done recording with the guest. We have to record our wrapping around that interview, meaning the end of the show, like we're Wild doing right fresh. now. And then we go back and we record the beginning of the show, even though we just finished all of the rest of it. It's the show's a, over, but it, we have to go start it over. <laughs> ex- exactly. It's it's production magic. I don't know. It's, it's just the way it works. It works for us. Yeah, I'm not saying everybody else has to do it. It's just how we do it. Um, but yeah, those are a couple good homework questions. The A&E, um, autobiography, the Kiss Cruise 10 news, and, and, and I'll throw in oh, one oh, more. Here's something, Mike, here's for, for homework. Why don't you give us three people that you think should be interviewed? Perfect. For, for, for the and, A&E. And, 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 and look, you can say like Bob Ezra and it's, but. I was going to, I was going to say no band member name. Yes, we want Peter interviewed. Yes, we want everybody who is in the band to be interviewed. We're talking about who are the people like Rick Stewart's that are out there that should be interviewed to tell the story. So there you go. There's your homework. Um, As always, we would greatly appreciate a review and rating on iTunes. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit that little red subscribe button and you know what if you listen to us on spotify because man our spotify followers and listens are just growing big time hit the follow button for the three sides podcast on spotify so we know you're listening there um that's it oh quick 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 quick, quick. go ahead i i want um per rick's wishes um for for uh jr over to gofundme and, yep. and throw him a couple bucks, man. He's having a rough time. One, one, one buck. Just one buck. I mean, it's not even a cup of coffee. It, it would mean a lot to Jr. to see the Kiss Army stepping up. Um, I will mention real quickly: next week's recording may happen, may not happen. It's what we're calling the colonoscopy show. Okay, so I'm getting a colonoscopy. On the twenty, what the hell is the First? date? Twenty on on Wednesday, oh. the twenty second. I'm getting a colonoscopy. Anybody who's ever had one done before, you know the twenty four hours prior, the cleanse is a bitch, and you basically live in a bathroom for twenty four hours. We record on Tuesdays when I'm doing the cleanse. I'm gonna record. Now, I'll make sure to turn off and mute mics and maybe not be doing video while all this is happening. 
but we'll see if we can get through recording some form of a show while I'm cleansing for the colonoscopy. Look, could, everybody says our show is shitty. Now we're going to prove this, it. This, this is it. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, without question, this is probably the very first KISS podcast ever done about a colonoscopy. And it might be one of the few podcasts in general ever to do a live recording while the cleanse is happening. I'm not going to record the next day while I'm getting the colonoscopy because, frankly, I'll be knocked out. If, if you know what they do, they just give you a little anesthesia and you count back from 100. And if I recall when I had it done before, by the time I hit 90, I was gone and I remember waking up in the recovery room. Fun stuff. So anyway, tomorrow, tomorrow, next week literally could be a shit show. We don't know. <laughs> but you're going to get to experience it. Um, all right. That's it. Three sides of the coin. We're out of here. We'll see you next week. Love the show. Go to iTunes.threesidesofthecoin.com and leave your review and rating of Three Sides of the Coin. Thanks. Download your free free copy of the KISS School of Marketing. 11 Lessons I Learned Working with KISS. The number one downloaded business book on Noise Trade. Go to books.noisetrade.com slash Michael Brandvold. You're listening to Three Sides of the Coin. So you love the show. Go to iTunes.threesidesofthecoin.com and leave your review and rating of Three Sides of the Coin. Thanks.